Would you just bow with me as we get ready to look into God's Word this morning? Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to open the Word of God, and I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. Thank you so much that the Word of God is applicable to everything that we face in life and every um, period of time you, you speak into it. Thank you for that. So I pray that your spirit would just lead us in the next few moments. We'll praise you for what you teach us in your name. Amen. If you have your Bible out this morning, I'd uh, ask you to, to grab it and to look for the little book of Lamentations. Uh, it's, it's a short little book and it's nestled right between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. It's kind of an odd little book to grab maybe this morning and start looking at, but I want to take a few moments and uh, look at some truths that are found in that book. I want to talk to you this morning about unending faithfulness, and we'll be looking at Lamentations chapter 3 and verses 21 to 26. This little book is uh, it's a lament, and a lament is a, a song of sorrow or grief. And uh, we're going to talk this morning about God's unending faithfulness. And we're going to talk about this, that, that God in the middle of whatever we, we face is incredibly faithful. And so this morning, I want you to think for a minute about faithfulness. And in our hearts and in our lives, we want people to be faithful. We want people uh, to care for us, to, to, love, to love us, uh, to show up when they say that they're going to show up. Um, we expect faithfulness in our, in our marriages. We expect faithfulness uh, in our families. We expect faithfulness. And even to some extent, we expect it in uh, with, with our dog. We come home from work and we want our dog to show up at the door and, uh, and, and, and love us and care for us. We expect faithfulness out of our car. You go out in the morning, you want your car to start. Uh, you don't want to be frustrated with a flat tire. You want that, that car, no matter how long you've had it, you want it to be faithful. Uh, for some of you, you expect in the morning that, that your coffee will be your old faithful. And you get up in the morning and, and you want that. Well, that's what we want from God. We want God to be faithful. And so maybe this statement would ring with you this morning. Lord, great is your faithfulness. My hope is found in you. And that's really what Jeremiah is going to say in this little book of Lamentations. Let me give you some background. In order to understand this book, you got to know a little bit about what's happening here. It's believed that Jeremiah wrote this book. Uh, it, it follows the book of Jeremiah. And, and the, the, the tone of the book is about the same. Jeremiah was uh, the weeping prophet. And that's one of the other reasons we believe that he wrote this book of Lamentations, because it's such a sad book. But there's a reason why it's so sad. The nation of Israel is under judgment by God. About 800 years prior to Jeremiah, Joshua told the nation of Israel just before he died, he said to them, look, if you're faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. But if you disobey, if you dishonor God, if you look at the commandments of God and you decide that you know better and you decide to do your own thing and you go your own way, then there's a penalty for that. There's a price to be paid for not agreeing with God. And so Joshua warned the nation of Israel, honor God and God will honor you. But if you turn away and you do your own thing, then, then there's a price to pay. Well, we find Jeremiah and the nation of Israel 
really facing that at this point. The nation of Israel had decided to walk away and serve other gods. They decided to do their own thing. They decided that they knew better than God. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah warns the nation of Israel over and over and over again, come back to God, come back to God, come back to God. And then we find the book of Lamentations and God has used another nation to come in and judge the nation of Israel. And the book of Lamentations, if you look at chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, that the city of Jerusalem, a city that was bustling, a city that was full of people, a city that was a center of commerce, a city that was very exciting to be in, was desolate. A nation had come in and they had wiped them out. And actually, as you read through the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah says this, he says that, the children were on the streets begging for food. The young men and the young women had been cut down by the sword and destroyed. The city walls had been torn down and the, and the homes that were within the city had been completely destroyed. The roads that were leading to the city were empty. There was nobody around. And actually it got so bad that Jeremiah says it this way, that the mothers were using their own children as food. That's pretty sad. That's pretty desolate. But that was the place that this group of people were in. Now, we're not at that point where we're living today. We're facing a crisis in our country and, and in the world as a, as a whole. But we're not at that point. But I know that there's a lot of people who are very discouraged. And Jeremiah is sitting, looking at this city and the people that are around him are incredibly discouraged. And in the middle of that discouragement, there's some encouragement. And Jeremiah writes those words for us in chapter 3. But I want you to know something before we get to those words of encouragement. The reason that the nation of Israel was at the point that they were at was because of their sin. God had promised that there was judgment for sin. And he promises us that today as well. We can't shake our fist at God or look at God and say, we know better than you do. I've got this figured out. My way is better. I don't need to listen to your word and, and not expect God to discipline us, not expect God to seek to pull us back to him. And I want you this morning, if, if, you're, if you're someone who's been kind of living part faith, or you've been looking at God saying, God, I, I've got this, I can do it on my own. I want you to know that these words that Jeremiah writes, they're for you and they're for me. And they're words of God saying, come back to me, come back to me, know me, have a relationship with me. And so in the middle of this devastation in this book, Jeremiah writes some words of encouragement and they're actually pretty exciting words in the middle of this little book so lamentations chapter 3 i'm going to start at verse 21 but i want you to remember something as i read this first verse this is a prophet of god who's writing these verses these words and he knew god really well he'd had a long experience with god and so as he writes verse 21 let me read it for you he says this yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. And so here's Jeremiah who's walked with God. He's a prophet of God. He's been with God for a long time. And in his mind, he remembers some things about God. 
And I want to ask you to do the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. I've been doing it for the last few weeks. I want you to remember what you know about God the same way Jeremiah does. I remember some things about God. I remember this. God has never let me down. God is still the same today as he was the day that I met him. God doesn't change. That's his promise from his word. God's promise is I will never leave you nor forsake you. He offers me the provision of strength that I need to meet every day's challenge, everything that comes my way each day. Those are things that I know about God. And what Jeremiah writes here is this. He says, look, because I know God, because I've had a relationship with God, I have hope. And that hope is found in a Lord, the Lord Jehovah, God, the creator God, who has never changed. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10 say this, I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place and I will do all my will. I love that verse. And that's part of what Jeremiah knew is this. Look, I am God and my will will be completed. I will do what I set out to do. I will accomplish what I set out to accomplish. It's restated for us by Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, where he says this, In him we have also received an inheritance, because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. Paul says this, look, I'm secure in who I am because what God started a long time ago, he will work it all out because it's his plan and it's his will, it's his purpose, and that will not change. Paul also says it this way in Romans. He says, for we know that all things will work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Those who are in Christ Jesus know that the plan and the work and the will of God will be worked out in our life. He goes on in that same chapter to say, if God is for us, then who could be against us? He didn't spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? In other words, look, if he was willing to send his own son to pay the price for our sin, won't he also make a way for us? And those are really the words of Jeremiah. He's saying this, because I know who God is, because he's been the same in my life forever, I have hope. And so in the next few verses of this little passage, Jeremiah is going to share with us some of the characteristics of God that he has found to be true. And let me just say this, I've found these characteristics to be true as well. In my walk with God over the years that I've grown in my relationship with God and the closer I get to God, the more I'm aware of these characteristics of God in my life. The more I see them, the more I, I watch God work them out in my day-to-day -day life. And that can be true for you as well. If you're a Christ follower, some of these characteristics will jump off the page at you and you'll be so thankful for them. And maybe over the last few weeks, you already have been. If you're not a Christ follower and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, these things can be true for you too. It's simply by starting a relationship with Christ, coming to know him, accepting what he's done for you on the cross. 
So let me share a couple of verses, the next few verses in this little passage. Verse 22 says this, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. That wonderful little phrase there, because of his faithful love, that word faithful is steadfast or constant, true to the original form, always the same. And what it's saying is this, that God is always true to his original form. He never changes. He doesn't tell us one thing on one day and three days later you wonder if it's going to be that way. Whatever God has said and whatever he said in motion, it stays that way all the time. God is known for this. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God's plan for redemption and restoring mankind to himself has stayed the same. If you look at it from Genesis all the way through Revelation, it never changes. The thread of his redemption stays exactly the same. His love for mankind has never wavered. It's always stayed the same. I think of this often when Adam and Eve sinned. Why didn't God just wipe them out and start again? Maybe we would have done better. It's not true. We wouldn't have. See, love means that we give a choice, and that's what God did. He gave us a choice, a choice to follow him or a choice to choose our own way. And that's part of being human is that we want to figure it out for ourselves. We want to do things our own way. And God says, look, I have a way, I have a plan for you that will work out. But my faithful love is this, that I will seek to restore you no matter what. And that's what he's done. Verse 33 says this, it says, For he does not enjoy bringing affliction or suffering on mankind. See, God wants what's best for us, and it's not, he's not happily sitting in heaven saying, How could I mess mankind up today? How could I throw a little virus into their life that would complete, completely put them in chaos for the next two months of their lives? That's not God. God is sovereign, He's in control. He has a plan and a purpose, but his plan and his purpose is always to show his faithful love to us. It's always to draw us back to him. And that's his desire for us. It was his faithful love that sent Joseph down into Egypt to restore the nation of Israel when there was a great famine and everyone would have died. It was his faithful love that sent them food in the desert where there, were no, where there was no food. It was his faithful love that made David king over a nation that, was, that had no king and had no, no direction. It was his faithful love that caused Solomon to build a temple for a place for them to worship God and know God better. It was his faithful love that sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross to die for your sin and for mine. And that faithful love continues today and it shows up today. God does not desire to bring affliction on us. His desire is to show us his faithful love. Look at verse 23, if you would, with me. Remember, we talked about his mercies in verse 22. And he says this, His mercies, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every morning when you get up and your eyes open again and you take your first breath, be thankful that you could get up. Be thankful for the health that you have, 
the family that is around you, the food that you have, the warmth that you have in your home, the job that you go to, the people that you get to relate with. Thank God for his love, for his word, for his presence, for the ability to pray with other believers, the ability to reach out and chat with other believers, to have fellowship with them. His mercies on us are new every day, and he continues to be faithful to us. God's mercies don't run out. God doesn't get tired of providing them for us. And this thought came to my mind when I was reading that. Great is your constant steadfastness. I was thinking about this. There's not much in our society or in our culture that is steadfast, that's sure, that's foundational. But God is. God is always the same. His love, his faithfulness, his mercies are foundational. They're core. Verse 24 goes on and says this, I say, the Lord is my portion. We're going to look at that word in just a second. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Remember a minute ago, we were talking about Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, where it said this, in him we have received an inheritance. That's what that word portion means. That word portion means this, my inheritance that is secure, that's guaranteed, or my allotment, what belongs to me from the sufficient one, from somebody who doesn't change. And that's God. And so so Jeremiah was able to say this, look, I remember that God is the right amount for me. He's my inheritance. He's the solid thing or the solid person that I can count on no matter what. He's not temporary. He not, he, it's not that he might happen. It's that he will and he is and he always is. He's permanent. Everything else won't last, but he will. Nothing else that I have in my life is permanent. My job's not. The stuff that I buy is not. My 401k is not. And if you've happened to look lately, it's definitely not. Our government is not secure. If you watch them and the changes that they make every day and how they're dealing with something that they don't understand, it's very insecure. But the Lord is my portion. He is steadfast and secure and never changes. And look what Jeremiah says. He says, therefore, now you remember, as we've looked at scripture, every time you see the word therefore, it stands for something and you ought to pay attention. And Jeremiah says, look, because I know these things about God, that his love is faithful and his faithfulness and his mercies endure and he's always there. Therefore, because God is that, because the Lord is my portion and he's my allotment, because of that... I will. I love that little phrase. Because of who God is, I will. I'll be confident. I'll live my life a certain way. Because God is a sure person, because he's stable, I am determined to live my life the way he says. I'm determined to put my faith in him. I'm determined to put my hope in him. It's not, I might. It's not, I'll think about it. Or it's not, today when I get up, maybe I'll trust God. That's not what he's saying. 
He's saying, because God is who he is, I will. I make the choice to follow God who is stable, who's foundational, who never changes. Look at verses 25 and 26 with me. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. Now, these two verses, when I'm reading them, some of you are struggling with these verses right now because of a couple of the words that are found in these verses. See, when I read these verses immediately, I like the first little phrase. It says, the Lord is good. I like that. And we all like that. We, we want that part. The Lord is good. I can count on the fact that the Lord is good. Woohoo! I'm with you. Okay. But what we don't like are a few of the other words that show up in this passage. Look at them with me. Wait. Seek. And then he puts two together. He says, wait quietly. We struggle with that. Some of you are realizing how much you struggle with that because of what's going on right now where you can't go do all the stuff that you've normally been doing. You can't hang out the way you've been hanging out. You're, you're stuck at home or, or you're stuck in one place, whatever it is. Some of you, it's a real struggle. But don't miss this. It's really important. God tells us to wait on him, to seek him, to look for him. And he says to wait quietly for him. Now, our excuse often is, I don't have time for that, God. I'm too busy. There's too much to do. You don't have that excuse right now. You're being forced to be still. And in that period of time, you could grab your phone, you could grab your computer, and you could, you could fill your time up in ways that really have no value. Or you could learn what it means to wait patiently on God. You can learn what it means to seek him, to get into his word and understand more about him, understand the characteristics that make up who God is, to truly deepen and develop your relationship with God. And that's what this verse is talking about. It says the Lord is good and he is, but he's good to those who wait for him. He's good to those who seek him. He's good to those who wait quietly for him. This is a great time to reevaluate the time that you spend with God. It's a great time to reevaluate how well you know God. And Jeremiah says, it's in God that I put my hope. And this is why I can hope in him because he's faithful and his mercies are new every morning. Chapter 5, verses 19 and 21, I want to read them for you as I wrap this up because he pulls all of these thoughts to a conclusion. And he says this, You, Lord, are enthroned forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Lord, bring us back to yourself so we may return, renew our days as in former times. Jeremiah could put his hope in the Lord because the Lord is enthroned. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's enthroned forever. 
There's no one that will overthrow him. There's no one that will ever have more power than he will. There's no one who will have more control than he will. He's enthroned forever and ever. And his throne endures for generations to generations. And folks, when we're dead and gone, if God hasn't come back, the next generation, he'll be enthroned over that. And the next generation, he'll be enthroned over that. And so I love the end of this where Jeremiah says, Lord, bring us back to yourself. And I think maybe that's what God, part of what God is doing in this shutdown, in this slowdown. As Christ followers, he's saying to us, come back, know me better. Come back, spend time with me. Spend time knowing me and understanding who I am. Return to me, be renewed in your faith. Come back, Lord Great is your faithfulness. My hope is in you. This little book of Lamentations, folks, isn't resolved by the end of the book, just so you know. The nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, wasn't put back to right. It took years for that to happen. The nation of Israel still struggled, and it was difficult for them. But Jeremiah could say these words because he knew God, Lord, great is your faithfulness. My hope is in you. So, as Christ followers, is your hope in the Lord? Is he really your portion, your inheritance, your allotment? Have you grabbed a hold of him? Has he got all of your attention right now? If so, then let him send you out to be an encouragement to the people on your street, in your home, maybe some people in your workplace who are discouraged right now. You bring hope to them because your hope is in the Lord. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you that the mercies from you are new every morning. Thank you that you're enthroned from generation to generation and we can trust you. You are steadfast and you never change. Encourage us in our faith. Help us to know you better in this quiet time that we have right now. May our eyes be fixed on you. In your name we pray.